0: Get ready for brilliant people, brilliant ideas, and a regular good time. This is Brilliant Thoughts with Success People editor, Tristan Almada. The show that thinks about how personalities, relationships, and communication shape business success. And now here he is, Tristan Almada.
1: Are the actions you're taking today moving you in the direction towards your goal, your mission? Or are they pushing you further away? What does course correction look like in your life right now as you move forward? Well, today's guest is an Emmy award-winning director, designer, and strategist. Chris Doe is the founder and CEO of The Future. Check it out. Let's jump in and talk about goals, discipline, and strategy with Chris Doe and... He challenges me on one thing, get ready, jump in. This is a fun one. Welcome back everyone. Another episode of brilliant thoughts with success magazine. And today I've got my friend, Chris Doe with me. I'm pretty sure you know him. And if you don't, you got to check him out on Instagram. This guy's massively amazing on the marketing side. Good human being. His message is very powerful And you'll become a super fan just like I did as soon as you start following him. So, Chris, welcome to the show.
0: Thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to having this conversation with you, Tristan. Me too, man. I love your book. I was like, I I went on Amazon and I'm like, I'm going to order it, and then it wasn't there. So
1: I had to go to your site (laughs) to find it. Mm -hmm. And um, very fun book to read. Very great lessons. So thank you for putting that together.
0: My pleasure. And I'm just happy that people. Want the book? We'll read it and find value in it. So yeah, I'm delighted.
1: Thanks, man. Thanks for doing that. Your message: you want to reach a billion people. What does that look like in your head, and what's the message you want to reach them with?
0: Mm. So the the full message is: I want to teach a billion people how to make a living doing what they love. And there's there's layers to this. So if you if you don't mind, I'll just unpack. Oh it a heck little yeah, unpackle. Okay, cool. Yeah. So. I'm a first-generation immigrant, a refugee from Vietnam. My parents and I came to the United States in 1975. And the the kinds of career paths that were available to me that I was aware of were very traditional. It's it's very common in the immigrant community. This is kind of what you're supposed to do, doctor, lawyer, scientist, engineer kind of thing. And it's not until much later on in life that I realized there's many other things that you can do that are more aligned with what you want to do in the world that the thing that you're uniquely qualified to do versus a more traditional path. And and that's why it's important for me to, to teach, to share, to interview interesting people, to show the younger version of myself somewhere in the world that these things are available, especially in developing countries where the narrative is still being perpetuated that this is a safe thing. This is how you're gonna be able to afford a living. I, I recently got off um, a phone call with a, another podcaster in the Philippines and he said this is still what parents want us to do because being a designer or a creative person is completely irresponsible and we started to do the math I said let's just talk on terms that your parents will understand in terms of finances so in the Philippines if you're a doctor you might make like thirty or even sixty thousand dollars a year and I, I say I said to him today currently you know I designed a logo for a hundred thousand dollars one logo so if we wanna talk economics, let's just have a real conversation, not based on preconceived ideas. And that blew his mind. It's like, and I'm just telling you one of the things that I do. And another thing I like to point out is, I don't do this to, to, to brag or top my own horn, but I have lots and lots of cousins. I always tell people I have thousands of cousins. I can't keep track of all of them. Really big families, immigrant, you, you know the, you know the drill, right? Yeah. And many of them, almost all of them, have gone down the traditional path. Some of them are nurses, lawyers, doctors, uh, um, pharmacists, all all the engineers, I gotta tell you, with the exception of a couple, I'm I'm exponentially more successful than them on a financial scale. And I'm not doing this to put anybody down, but just as like, let's just make sure we update our data points and understand this. So that's part one. Part two this is this, is I believe in setting really massive, big, hairy, audacious goals that you probably won't be able to achieve in your lifetime, just to make sure the decisions that you're making, the actions that you're taking, move towards that direction. So when you play big, it kind of forces you to think, am I thinking small today? And I'm constantly course correcting myself. Like if I go and do these things, if I agree to say yes to whatever it is that somebody's asking me to do, is it moving me closer to this billion person mission? Or is it taking me farther away? And more often than not, it's taking me farther away. So I'm like, no, no, no. I gotta get back on course. I have to say no to these things. So it's a way for me to exercise discipline in saying no.
1: Ooh, I like that, dude. I think that that piece, the exercising the discipline in saying no to the things that don't match up to this big massive goal are so key. It okay. reminds me of Kobe Bryant going, you know what? I'm not gonna show I'm not showing up to parties, I'm not showing up to your event, don't take it personally, right? I still love you. I just i'm on a different mission i love that yeah Uh, so tell me tell me about this hundred thousand dollar logo like dude what what is this i don't know if you can talk about it or not talk about it all right tell me what what is that
0: there's a story here also so i've been running a creative business at this point maybe 18 19 years coming up on the 20-year mark And somebody that I've been coaching, his name is Ben Burns. Now he's our chief operating officer. We're talking about logo design. And he was, when I met him, he was the guy who was literally working with clients and billing hourly. And when we started to look at the the rate, it was less than minimum wage. So fast forward a couple of years of working with him, he had recently charged, I think somewhere close to $30,000 for logo, which is one of the last things he did as an independent business owner before he joined the company. And I was like, my protege, is actually charging more money for a logo than i am now i'm not in the business of making logos but that still bothers me it's like this is wrong <laughs> so i'm a competitive guy Tristan. and you need to know this about me not in like i need him to do poorly but i just need to like up my game it just doesn't look and sound right to me yeah, so we yeah. started working on this and and then we started to move our rates up just to see what the ceiling was and it turns out the ceiling is very high i was usually charging somewhere between 18 to twenty thousand dollars for a logo So Ben set the benchmark for me at 30. So it just became a game. And I look at a lot of business. If you're having fun, it should be like a game. It's not about like I'm trying to pull something over someone's eyes, but I'm like, I wonder what the maximum threshold is that somebody's willing to joyfully give us money to do something for them. And it turns out we went to 30, we went to 60, went to 80. I'm like, maybe there is no limit. And so the last logo service project that we did I think it was for $110,000. It was for a, a technology tech communications company. And they just needed what it turns out, just a very small tweak to their existing logo. But what they pay for is your credibility, your experience, and they pay for the exploration to know that this is what they want to live with. Like we presented so many different options, uh, did studies for them, and ultimately they picked the one that was closest to what they already have and they tweaked it. So it's almost like what they have and we see this and i don't discredit this i'm not saying this to make fun of my client because there's a lot of brand equity in what they have and sometimes they just need to see what else is out there for them to say you know what let's just update this for the time and this is why logos like coca-cola are worked on in perpetuity because they're constantly tweaking it and you won't know but when you look back on packaging and identity from decades ago you'll see the difference
1: these people freak out when the Instagram logo changes. Mm-hmm. This, this makes total sense. Tell me internally, because you say you're very competitive. I'm assuming that that competition, that, that thing that drives you is internal, that, that going back and forth with this guy, this guy just did that. Right. And you're thinking, why, why didn't I think of that? Why didn't I do that? Let me test it out. What does that battle look like inside that drives
0: you? Mm. I, I think it's like I try to find anything that could motivate me to push me forward and I'll use anything. Um, I'll give you a couple other examples. And I'll come back to this logo conversation. When we were working on our YouTube channel, we had a hit list, quite literally a picture of every YouTuber that we thought of that was in our space that was ahead of us. And it went from a person who was a little bit ahead of us all the way to ones that have 10 million followers or subscribers. And we would look at that every single day. It would remind us, people, we're here to grow. We're not here to play. This is not like we're dabbling. And these are people, some of them are friends, some of them we know of, but it's not a negative thing. And we're not trying to wish that their channel tanks, but we're just saying, that's our site. So we just break a big goal into a smaller bite size. We're chunking down. And we would just take one of them down at a time. It would feel so good for the team. We'd walk up and like, mm. nice to know you, pull down the thing and we would pass them. And we're coming for you next, and we just do that. Recently, I was talking to Sean Cannell. Yeah. He has a channel called Think Media. Super sweet guy, very generous at this time. Nice. He said, Sean, I'm, I'm interviewing him. He said, Sean, here's the thing. You have more subscribers than us, and it bothers me. I wish the best for you, but we're coming for you, baby. You're about 100,000 more than us, and we're, we're like, we, you motivate us. And I tell my team, what is Sean doing? Why can't we do that? Whatever it is. Not to say we're copying him, but he's 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 growing in this way we need to grow in the same way so it's like everybody needs like a pace car one mm-hmm. that keeps them on track i think the the mechanical rabbit that keeps the the greyhounds running it's there's a pace and we want to set the pace so internally when i'm hearing about ben doing something like he just set the pace and then that ignites a fire in my belly so it's not so much like i can't believe ben can do this or i'm stupid mm-hmm. i'm not worthy mm-hmm. it's just like huh this is fun 30 let's see what we can do and then when we get there we're like what else can we do and what we're doing is we're retraining our brain all the time to say we are capable of so much more
1: Mm, i like that i like that good answer i see a lot of hats in your background what's up with the hats
0: (laughs) the hats serve a functional purpose but then have become part of my personal brand so, uh, as you may or may not know, like I don't have any hair. I'm bald, right? So, and I also, because I'm Southeast Asian, I have oily skin. That doesn't make for a great combination of being under um, a bright light, uh-huh. right? So, my head yeah. in photos would be like this chrome ball by the middle of the day. And people are like, whoa, whoa, we need to like flag the light. The boys were moving, the lights all over the place. I'm like, guys, let's solve this problem. I put on the hat, they're like, okay, we have a new problem because it's too dark and we'll have to backlight. you know, like, cool. But now you don't have to adjust this light for every single person. And so I started wearing the hat and when I wore the hat, people would start to say, oh, Chris Doe equals f- uh, flat brim caps, trucker caps or whatever mm-hmm. these are called, uh, snapbacks yep. and glasses and certain kinds of things. And it just becomes part of your brand. Now, when I go out into the world, I-, I-, I want people who are our fans to come up to me because I want to talk to them. To me, the personal interaction is the reward for making the videos, right? So yeah. I want to make sure they can recognize me. So I start wearing the same cap over and over again. And sure enough, people spot you. And so it's just evolved. Like, I don't want to wear the same cap all the time. And now people send me caps. And it's it's a pretty cool thing. When you let people know what you're interested in and you have a clear personal brand, they they become part of that and they're co-creating with you. And I really, really enjoy that.
1: Oh, the co-creation, dude. That does. That's very rewarding. Mm-hmm. I love that. Tell me about how you got started into all of this, because we're talking about all the successes, right? How it feels, but how did you get started in this? Why didn't you become a dentist or or a lawyer?
0: <laughs> well, I'll take you back to like when I'm, I think I'm like uh, seven or eight years old, and I, it's my birthday, and. My uncles and aunts, they're they they are are giving me some random stuff, like what, what an 80-year-old boy would want. <clears throat> but one of my uncles comes home with a giant pad of, of printer paper and he just buys me a set of markers. That's it, super inexpensive gift. Mm-hmm. But that was my favorite. And the first thing I did was I broke the markers out and I drew a scene, a typical kid scene, not great at drawing, and, and just made him a thank you card and tore the paper out and handed it back to him. <laughs> and so to me, there was something already inside of me that was connected to art, design, making. Uh, we didn't have a lot uh, when I was growing up, so it was one of these things where if you wanted something, you just make it. Mm-hmm. So I, I would have like a Star Wars action figures, mm-hmm. and I would want to build the, <clears throat> the the Hoth playset, trying mm. to figure out how to make that. So I'd go down to the creek, get some bamboo, start bending, gluing things together. So that that's who I am, but I don't realize there's an opportunity here as a career choice until. I'm a senior in high school, and uh, through just some, some miraculous things happening, my younger brother, his wrestling coach, said, your brother's like a, an artist, isn't he? Uh, would he like to work at a silk screening shop? And I'm like, would I ever? And so I brought my jank portfolio in with a couple of drawings, uh, yeah. my doodles and sketches, and then the guy who hired me, his name is Brad Shaboya, and Brad's like, yep, you can ink for me. And in that process, I learned that there are professional people. He told me he made $100,000 a year, which was mind blowing to me at that time, mm-hmm. circa uh, late 80s, early 90s, right? Okay. Um, it's a lot of money back then. I'm like, wow, yeah. you could do this. And then I meet a graphic designer by working there. And that starts to change the trajectory and course of my life. I am now self determine to become a designer. I go to art center, I graduate with a design degree, I start an agency. And I started making commercials and music videos, which then fast forward into 2014. I started recording videos on YouTube because one of my friends said, let's let's make YouTube content.
1: I didn't want to. I reluctantly
0: agreed, but that was a ginormous shift for me in terms of like what I'm going to do for the rest of my life.
1: Was that the biggest shift? Was that what took you to the next
0: level? I think it is because it is the beginning of a bunch of shifts that ultimately lead me to where I'm at, I'm at today. So I, I'm i a behind the camera talent. I'm not in front of camera talent. Right. Mm-hmm. I direct, uh, I produce, I, I, I tell people what to do, but I'm not the person in front of the camera. Being, being an introvert, being shy, immigrant, the whole bit, I don't wanna be in front of the camera, but he's like, the only way we do these videos is if you are in front of the camera. Mm-hmm. So he put me into a box, but he did something that very few people would do. And he made it impossible for me to say no. His offer to me was, you sit next to me, because he's an extrovert through and through. Mm -hmm. You can talk to anybody at any point in time, doesn't really matter. Sit next to me and only speak when you're comfortable enough to speak. He gave me no out, because Tristan, I was looking for the out. Wow. So that first video, we rolled the camera. I couldn't introduce myself, because I was stumbling over my own name and my title and the company. So his name is Jose. Jose had to introduce the both of us. Uh-huh. And I sat there, jaw clenched, knees knocking, si- in silence. And then at some point, I started to speak. And I didn't say that much. And I know it was awkward. It was very stiff. Like if you were to watch that video, it's like, who's this robot that's next to Jose? Is that it still be- on
1: YouTube?
0: It's still on YouTube. I don't. <laughs> I'm gonna no go. Way. I'm
1: gonna go find that Jose.
0: What's, <laughs> what's Just this for video thing. one, all you have to do is search by order, and you'll see it video either. one I love. video Ooh. one you'll see it and you're like wow that dude is weird now the reason why <laughs> i leave it up is this because some of our fans who have discovered us kind of later into the journey yeah they go back and they watch that and i know it's a compliment but it doesn't sound like one they say christo you give us hope because you were so bad before <laughs> and you look at where you're at now i'm like it's true and yes if i can do it you can do it too
1: that's pretty awesome dude that's pretty awesome. I love that because I always like going back to Gary V's original videos as well. Um, yeah, that's cool. You know what's also cool that Sean Cannell is, is inspiring you, right? And we interviewed him, and I'm like, dude. He told me he goes, why, why, why aren't you on YouTube? I'm like, ah. and then I, <laughs> and then I, um, I'm, I then I decided to jump in on YouTube full on. I was like, thank you, Sean. I should have met you like uh, eight years ago.
0: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, to be, if we could all go back in time, we should have all been there year one of YouTube because we'd be so massive good. influencers now, right? Because they're so giving good. the traffic away at the beginning.
1: They were, man. They were. Well, look, then that that plays into my question for you. This is personal. Like where where are you shifting your attention to now in regards to, marketing and reaching a different level of people
0: well so the the decision to start making youtube videos creates an education company in my 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 foray into social media mm-hmm. and and you're gonna laugh at this but i do remember calling jose it's like i don't understand twitter man i don't understand instagram what are you supposed to post and i did what a lot of people do you post a picture of what you ate oh this is the cool outfit i'm on vacation y'all you know Eat your heart out, and then you get like fifteen hundred followers. I'm like, okay, that's pretty much my friends, family, and my former students. I've I've, I've tapped into the, the market. I'm done. I've capped. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, but so I'm starting to getting into it, and again, I'm going to tell you, that there's going to be a recurring theme here. Jose, my my mentor in the content creation world, had more followers than I did on Twitter and Instagram, mm-hmm. and he he told me to do a couple things. That I'm like, I don't like that. He just said, um, just Follow everybody in your email list. I'm like, uh, I, I, I think that's too easy. I, I, I need to give them a reason to follow me. So I just want to think about that. And he said, Chris, that's your ego talking. Because mm-hmm. I said, I want a, mm-hmm. a high follower to low follows a, a ratio, right? Because mm-hmm. why, why are you let your ego get in the way? But okay, whatever. So what I do is I start to learn each platform as to what the algorithm wants you to do. And it's a little bit different for each one. There are universal principles that tie them together. And, and and I started to, to, to learn, to create. And so it was, it was fascinating to me. And the, the big light bulb moment goes off when I'm interviewing a guy named Michael Janda and I'm seeing him grow really fast, like tens of thousands of followers within a period of a few months Mm -hmm. and he's starting to catch up to me. So here I am trying to chase Jose but I also mm-hmm. don't want to get lapped on by Michael. Of course, like, this is not happening. I need to surpass Jose and I cannot let Michael lap me here. And so what I, I realized in Michael's content, it was highly educational. I read his book. He took segments of his book. He just broke it down into carousels. And to me that was like an epiphany because I thought social media was for sharing what you're proud of, what you've done, your accomplishments. Yeah. And now it was all about an edge being an educator and teaching people. and this really excited me at this time because I've been a teacher for 15 years at Art Center. I've been lecturing and doing talks. I have hundreds, probably thousands of slides because each keynote I do will have two to three hundred slides in it. And if I'm doing it 10 slides at a time, each keynote would be 30 pieces of content or more. Wow. And so I went into this whole yeah, this lab thing and I was just committed. And the second part to the story is this, I'm, I run a coaching group, it's called the Future Pro Group. Now in the coaching group, I often give challenges, but I never do them. So I said, everybody, I'm gonna go along with the challenge too. Cause I said, what is one thing you wanna accomplish in the next two weeks? Mm-hmm. And I said, I wanna get 10,000 followers in two weeks. Ooh. Right? And yes. at that time, I think I had 35,000 followers or something like that, a lot, but it's still not like a giant amount. Mm-hmm. And I knew growing by 10,000 followers in two weeks, which took me five plus years to get to 35, I wow. was not going to be able to do it. But big, hairy, audacious goals and all, I'm like, let's go. So I did the math. I looked at, I did this kind of very analytically. I looked at the posts I was making and how many followers I got per post. On average, like 340 or something. Okay. So I did the math. I have to do four posts a day in order to get my my amount or something like that. It was all It was a lot of posts. And prior to that point in time, I would do a post every third day. Now, I'm going to have to do four posts a day. This isn't, okay, this is not going to work, but I'm going to do it. First day, I make one post. It took me all day to write one post. Second day, one post. And I'm like, okay, perfectionism is getting in the way here. (laughs) I need to change this because I'm way behind schedule now. There's no way I can do this. Day two, I said, I'm going to do two posts and I don't get to eat until I finish the first post. Constraints. Dude. Constraints. You gotta force yourself. Creativity expands or contracts to meet a deadline. I know this. This is the kryptonite of all creative people. It's like, oh, I have unlimited time. Guess what? You will never finish. Parkinson's and, law. Is that right? Yeah. Okay, so 2 p.m. I'm starving, Tristan. I'm like, <laughs> I'm gonna just post this thing. I, I'm just gonna let it go. And I post it. I just walk away from it. I eat lunch, I come back. And i'm exhausted now like okay i have to do another post so i'm going to do this thing and you might find this amusing i work on the post i don't think it's good so i shame post at like midnight so i'm thinking it's a piece of turd i'm gonna shame post this to meet my quota Uh no one will see it tomorrow when i wake up and has no follows no likes no nothing i'll delete it and i'll be fine Mm -hmm. surprise surprise it actually was one of my higher performing posts. So i saw scratching my head and I'm like, wait a minute, this doesn't make any sense. What? So it tells you a lot of things. One is you are a really poor judge of your own value. And two, when you do things under tight time constraints and you don't care so much, you actually kind of get into a state and you, it forces you to make decisions quickly and to communicate simply. I didn't have time to make it all fancy. And that was a big lesson for me. So day three, I'm sorry, I'm on day four now. I think I'm doing three posts a day, and then I actually ratchet up to four posts a day. Wow, yeah, four posts a day. And here's the crazy thing end of two weeks, I did not hit my goal, Tristan. I did not get 10,000 followers, I got 20,000 followers in two weeks. Damn, man, you no, know, it was nuts. So, and everybody's like, oh my god, what's going on? And then one of my friends calls me up and said, Chris, you're not even using hashtags.
1: I'm gonna, <laughs> you did oh. this all without hashtag i
0: don't even know what to do here like i i did like three hashtags but he's like those don't work chris because if you look on your uh, analytics none of them would say from hashtags because i was using generic hashtags like branding did, they're too big for the size of account that i had it was too big so he did a lot of like testing with me he's like here's a set uh, he generated five hashtag sets mm-hmm. he says use these and we'll look at the analytics together okay. and then we found one set that outperformed all of them. To this day, I still use the exact same hashtag set because I'm lazy. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> we need another challenge, dude. That's what we need.
1: <laughs> we need
0: another. You're. I have another challenge. I'm working on another challenge already. What? What's I, maybe I'll do it with you. You want to do what's it with me? Do it with you. Okay. Are you on TikTok? I am on TikTok. Yeah. Okay. So how many followers do you have on TikTok?
1: Twenty-eight thousand. So not wonderful. Dramatic.
0: <laughs> Not you know, but better than you know, it's not as good as everyone, but better than most kind of thing. All right. I'm trying to get to hundred thousand. I'll race you there. I'm I'll a little ra- ahead of you. I done. think I'm at fifty-five. Okay? Let's go. So if I get lapped by you, I'm in trouble. I haven't posted in weeks, so I need to get on it again. TikTok challenge. TikTok is the next animal.
1: There you go. TikTok challenge a hundred K. I'll
0: race you at hundred K. Now race. Let's go. Because you're a little bit behind me. You're I'm almost double. Uh, so yep. we'll keep that in mind. You yep, got a yep. little handicap. I started the, the yep. race before the gun went off.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's fine. That's yeah. fine. Okay. I like it. I like it. 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 All right, let's do this, man. So do you think then TikTok is, for you, the thing you're shifting to because you see that it's driving more of your future business or what's happening there?
0: Okay, I'm going to answer this in the worst way possible as an entrepreneur. Okay. I don't actually create content on social media as a marketing thing. I okay. create content because it's a form of self-expression. I love building community. I want to give value. I look at this as an extremely long game, the longest game anybody's ever played. And so you'll see oftentimes when I'm posting, I just, I barely even mention anything I, say, I don't want anything from you. I just want to give you value. And so for me, TikTok is just the next challenge. I feel like I got a good handle on, on the social, the major social platforms uh, with the exception of Twitter. And TikTok, so I need. There are like puzzles for me, and it's just a game, and I, I want to okay. learn how to play the game, what the rules are, and and I barely know how to use any of the platforms, uh, despite the audience that I have. It's it's kind of hilarious because my twenty three year old intern yeah. was from the UK. I had to literally call her and Facetime with her to for me to learn how to look at my analytics for stories because I don't know how to do anything. I like that, and I tell people the story, not just self flagellate because maybe some of that is happening, but to let people know that if you create high-quality content and you give generously, it doesn't even matter if you know anything about social media or not. That's, That's true. the man. lesson there because I barely know how to do anything.
1: Such a great point on that. Should we call Jose? <laughs>
0: <laughs> right? Just make really good content.
1: Dude, I'm going to have to follow Jose. What's his last name?
0: Caballé. Caballé. Caballé.
1: Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah i'm gonna i'm gonna follow him yeah all
0: right so tell me by, about. by the-, the way i've left him in the dust oh <laughs> <laughs> on all platforms sure i just to want to let me, you know yeah it was it only took me a couple of months to do that i'm like uh, and he's like and he turned to me he's like dude you're an animal and i said thanks for your help and he says somehow i think i've created a monster is this is <laughs> what you do now He's like you're all about this i'm super analytical I post things. I measure. I try not to get too uh, too emotionally attached to anything. I'm like, oh, maybe this works, maybe it doesn't. I'm just looking for data points, and I'll just keep iterating on an idea.
1: Huh, so good, man. It's it's your it's your competitive nature, but but I'm also seeing passion behind this. So very very cool, man. Very. I cool. have a simple rule,
0: Justin. The rule is this. Get good at doing something or get out. Ooh, you need a hat that says that (laughs) get good or get out. That's it. It's like, if you like, do I need more hobbies? No, I want to get good at the hobbies that I have. Otherwise I don't want to do it at all. So I do extreme immersion into anything. So for example, um, I've, I've grown up loving, uh, like I love fishing. I like any body of water. I just ask myself, is there fish in there? It's the immigrant in me. I get it. Right. And, when when I'm in this, I'm like reading every magazine, Field and Stream, uh, uh, Ocean, uh, I forget all the names, but I would go to the library and would just like every magazine, I would just come back home with a giant stack and I would just go through it. And I didn't have the means to buy and go on these trips, but I just wanted to know. And then I would buy books on like bass fishing, uh, trout fishing, salmon fishing. I would just read them and read so that one day I would be prepared. So to me, that is like get good at something or go home, right, or get out. That's yeah. it. So when I'm into mixed martial arts, which I am, I go back to eBay and I buy all the VHS cassettes from UFC 1 to 100 or whatever, and I'm just watching them. Some people are listening to this, what is VHS? Forget about it, it's a different time, different era, don't worry about it. But that's what I would do. And then I would get myself to the events. Now I wanna tell people this because a lot of times they're like, wasn't that just a waste of time and energy? So I don't ever look at this as a waste because if you're passionate about something, will find its way back to you somehow take you back a couple of years when I was still running my design agency we're, we're working with spike TV you know the first network for men kind of thing yeah and we're doing um a promo package for this show that they acquired called the shield with Michael chiklis I remember, remember that. the shield yeah great series one of the best TV series I love it okay and I find that they're uh they've launched the ultimate fighter with the UFC they'd finished season one I'm like oh my gosh, we have to do this. So I tell my creative director, his name is Eric, mention to the client that I'm a big mixed martial arts fan and would love the opportunity to work on the next packaging, promotional packaging for the Ultimate Fighter. He mentions it, we get on the phone, we geek out, the client realizes I know a lot more about mixed martial arts than they do. So when your knowledge and your passion exceeds your client's knowledge and passion, you get instant credibility. There's no guarantee it's going to lead into an opportunity or a job, but it's a pretty good starting off point. So then I have to fast forward the story. I think Mm -hmm. we wound up doing four seasons, of the ultimate fighter for them. I flew out to Las Vegas twice with them. Okay. Got VIP press pass kind of not front row, but pretty darn close, like floor seats Damn. because of my relationship with them. Mm -hmm. So passion, getting good at something, being knowledgeable, it will pay off. We're never quite sure how it does. But it will pay off. That's so what true. most people do is they're surface passion people. They they just they never they're superficial. Like they they kind of watch fishing shows and they never get deep. You know they kind of are are kind of watching things and and they're enthusiasts. They're not die hard fans. And I am a die hard fan of the things I get into.
1: Yeah, I bet you do because I'm 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 noticing a few patterns here in a
0: <laughs> in a good way in a good way. Couple, right?
1: Yeah. All right. Tell me about one of your favorite companies that you worked with? Because you've worked with some amazing companies, man. Mm-hmm. I was telling my wife yesterday on our walk, I'm like, like, this guy's worked on some cool
0: company. What's What's one of your favorites? I love, I love working with artists when we made music videos. They're, they're the, the best people to work with. Now, you're never gonna get rich making music videos. You'll probably lose money as we have, but they're really cool because they have that same passion. And I love working with them because they challenge you to be the best version of yourself. How do they do that? They trust you. And this is a clue for any client who hires a vendor. The more you trust them, the more responsibility you put on them, the more they will give up themselves because they understand what's at stake. Mm-hmm. So we worked with, with a band called The Brave Inettes, and we've done two music videos for them, right? And when we worked with them the second time, we're working directly with um, the lead singer, I believe his name is Suna. Asuna and Sharon, they're, they're, they're uh, the Ravenettes. And th- they just answer a few questions. And we go away. We write a treatment. They're like, great. Okay, it's pretty easy. What's going on? And then I remember, because we we're doing 3D animation, one of the major steps in 3D animation is you do a grayscale, non-texture map, non-lit, kind of an um, animatic. So the models are moving. There's still some rough parts to it. There's missing shots. And we want to just quickly check in with them. And and Suna, the lead singer, says, and very gently, he said, Chris, um, will there be more color in this? And then I laughed. I'm like, Suna, this is a grayscale rough. And we all kind of had a big laugh because he didn't even want to tell us what to do. He was just asking. Of course, that. we go back and we're like, no, no, no this is how it will look. This is the finished thing. There's, there's stages to this because he's unfamiliar with 3D animation. He You know, of course he is. And... We go back to the studio and my entire team is like, what are the notes from from the band? None. And so they kill themselves. They work three in the morning, they don't need to. (laughs) I pay them to eight and they they, they should go home. And at some point I'm like, what are you guys doing? Someone brought the work home with them because this is the responsibility I'm talking about. When your clients trust you to do your best work, you start to say to yourself, is this my best work? And can I give more? Big difference here. When you tell the vendors that you work with, do this and you get overly prescriptive change that, they are thinking, how can I make this end? Very different. One mm-hmm. is for fun and for play and we keep playing. One is for work and it feels like work. We wanna clock in, we wanna clock out. I literally had to have a meeting with my team. I think there were six or seven artists and they've been working like crazy hours every single day. And I told them, I'm closing the this, this studio, you guys need to leave. We're we're heading into the final stretch and I don't want zombies here. I know you want to work on this. Everybody get some rest. Yeah. When we need to, we'll stay here as late as we need to, but this is not the time. And it's one of those things where I felt a strange moment of of like pride in that the team is so connected to the work, but also that Mm -hmm. I want to be a good custodian of their energy and their and their creativity. Like I don't want to just exploit them to squeeze them dry and cast them out when they're burnt out. So there was two conflicting emotions that ultimately said I love you all. Thank you so much. It's time for us to go home Uh, because it's not healthy. It's not sustainable. There will be a moment like two days before it's due that we'll we'll probably have to camp out here quite literally, get all the shots done. But today's not that day. So I love working with artists. I love working with any client that challenges you to do your best work that has a high bar themselves, but doesn't try to micromanage you how to get there. The other commercial client that we've worked with is Xbox and their agency, the Eisenberg group, who I've known now for 20 plus years. Mm -hmm. Some of the last most creative work that we've done as a service company is for them for E3, the launch of the Xbox one X. Right. And they're like, what can we do? We want to push the limit. Okay. And then whatever ideas we come up with, it's not like, oh, that's too wild. That's too crazy. It's like that and more, please. And then we're allowed to do our work. Same thing happens. The patterns will happen again. Artists are like, oh my gosh, I want to try to figure out a new, cooler way to do this and and give it my all. And then the end product is a reflection of that feeling. And the feeling for artists has to be a good feeling. Otherwise, the work suffers.
1: How do companies that want to work with you find you now?
0: Well, I no longer do client work. So we kind of semi-retired from client work in December 2018. We made a pledge to ourselves. If we can just be a full-time content education company, then we'll never do client work again. And that was the last time we took on a new client. No way. Yeah. And you know what? We're happier, healthier. Last year, we did four and a half million dollars in revenue. A lot of it passively, which is like, I don't have clients. Basically, um, I set my own agenda every single day. If I don't want to work, I don't work. I can travel, I can be anywhere in the world and the money will still come in. And so we left service business behind. We're a product and education company. A lot of the money comes through coaching groups that we run and also from courses that we sell. And that's that's mostly passive income.
1: I love that. How do you keep your skills sharp?
0: If you pay attention to what your students or your customers' needs are, they will constantly push and challenge you. Mm. Um, I'm sure you're aware of this there's something called the curse of knowledge. It's got a cognitive bias, right? Mm. What you know how to do today, that you can do without even effort or thinking on an autonomic level, uh, you used to struggle with, but you forgot about it. That's the curse of knowledge. Mm. And so when I come into a room I'm like, oh, let's price it this way, or this is how you design a logo, or this is how you handle this client objection, people are scratching their head like, wait, how'd you come up with that? Wait a minute. It, or they'll ask you what they call a dumb question which is like, this is a dumb question, but uh, I don't think that's true or whatever it is, I'm going to say something. And in that friction between what I know how to do, what I know what works and where they're coming from, it reminds me, takes me back in time and allows me to answer a problem. So my biggest challenge isn't teaching smart people who know what they're doing. They're very easy to teach. They just watch the video and they execute. Mm -hmm. My biggest inspiration, and I'm saying this without judgment, is working with Young, naive, obstinate, and sometimes ignorant people because they remind me of what the real problem is and that I'm teaching them, not the people who already know what to do. So I'm a person in search of a really good problem. And they generally come from people who are very frustrated, who've almost given up. They bring the best problems. And from Mm that, I'm able to get more ideas. I can invent a new framework. I can explain things differently. And our highest performing content comes from two people one who is pretending to be a really horrible client and the other one actually being a horrible client and not even realizing what they were doing. But that content was fire because they were both arguing with me and the audience was leaning in on it like, wow, this sounds just like the clients I talk to, which aren't clients I ever see. Wait, An was emotional that? emotional trigger.
1: Go ahead. That was the video that I saw, I think, when, when somebody said, why would I pay you? Was that the one? Why would I yeah, pay you? Yeah,
0: there's two you? of those videos. I remember that yes. one. One There are two highest performing videos. One has uh, almost 50 million views. The other one has over 5 million views. They're both shorts on YouTube. One was talking about a logo, how much to price a logo. The other one was like trying to not pay me $1,000 for a video project. And it was back and forth, back and forth. Yeah. Right? And that was a role play by my friend Mo Ismail, who was trying to embody some of the horrible clients he works with. And what people don't know before we 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 like cut that part out is the group that was there, part of my future pro coaching group. They had said, "Chris, we see you saying no to clients all the time. You're not allowed to say no." I'm like, "Ugh, okay, right?" Because we role played it once, and I said, "I'm not for you," and they're like, "Well, anybody can say no. We want you to say we want you to stay in it until the very bitter end." And so those constraints, which I normally would not do, created a hot piece of content because here Mo is playing a horrible client telling me he doesn't want to pay this, I'm not worth it, whatever it is. And I had to figure out a way to get him to say yes. Got it. And that's what birthed like a really good piece of content. It was wild. It was fun. The funny thing is, people who watch it are like, oh, really easy to do, super scripted, right? Like they got an actor to do this because they assume when you film two people talking that it's scripted, it's a mm-hmm. safe assumption. And a lot of times it is, but we don't script anything. So Mo is going to do what he's going to do, and I have to respond to each and everything he says in the moment.
1: That's And awesome. if you don't
0: believe me, when we do a role-playing session live on one of these platforms, join me and you'll see how I deal with people. Dude, heck
1: yeah. I love yeah. that. That's so good. So you, I, I love what you said earlier. I wrote it down. Um, when, when you were first doing your video with Jose, yes. when he made, it, he made it easier for you yeah. to succeed by saying, hey, don't worry, I've set it all up. You just show up. You chime in whenever. Yeah. Do you ever find that you do that for when you were working with, with these clients for your clients and say, hey, look, I'm going to make it easy for you to succeed. Just just do this and I'll do everything else for you. How, how much of that, you doing that, has has made it easier for somebody to say yes.
0: We know this. If you're an entrepreneur and you're in sales or you do some kind of client facing thing, the thing that you have to do is make clients feel safe. You have to speak to their unspoken fears. You have to tap into their motivations and you have to address their objections before they even voice it. And so if you're in business for any period of time, you'll notice there are patterns of behavior, patterns of thinking. And and so your question about like, have I done this for clients? Of course. How do I do for clients? I'll tell you. And so when clients are calling us, almost always they're creatives from an advertising agency because uh, that's that's who most of our clients were. And mm-hmm. so we're dealing with projects that are typically anywhere between two to eight hundred thousand dollars in budget. Pretty typical one is like three fifty, four hundred. So we're not talking about an insignificant amount of money. right and so you have to know how to do sales because they're deciding based on a phone call or two who they're going to give this three or four hundred thousand dollar budget to and so early on i didn't know how to play the game i didn't know what was going on because i thought it was all about being a big personality talking about all my ideas Mm -hmm. and i learned later on that was the wrong approach it was all about asking questions making clients feel heard seen and reflecting back their wishes and their desires Mm. and so what you're trying to do whether you explicitly say it or you or it's implicit is you hire us, we will deliver the job so you can focus on your business. sometimes I will quite literally say so you can sleep at night that's it and I'll ask them uh, the 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 inverse of that is when you hire someone what's going to keep you up at night allows me to tap into their thinking and they'll tell me. They'll say, uh, you missed deadlines, um, that you'll say one thing and you do something else, or that you'll win the project because we like you, and then you'll assign another team to it. That happens a lot, actually. It's the old bait and switch. And so what people don't know is when they're working with a lot of companies is they have their closers, their heavy hitters, the highest paid people on the client call. Wow. And what happens is after they hire them, what happens to those people? They move on to the next job. Now they disappear. You know, the B team rolls in, right? And team. so I know this now. And we're a fairly small company. We're about 20 people. And most of my creative directors are on the call, usually, the initial client call. Okay. And I tell them, we're a really small company. There is no B team. All the A team is here. And we're here to do the work. <laughs> right?
1: Such a, Dude, that's so good. That question that you asked, I think that, that can really unveil a lot for everybody listening in that what's going to keep you up at night or what normally keeps you up at night when you hire somebody? Like, what are you thinking? That's yeah. such a great question.
0: Here's another question that we use in sales. Like when we're talking to clients, we'll ask them, how will you decide who you will work with? Cause we know you have options. So the first thing is you have to have enough self-awareness and confidence to realize the clients aren't just talking to you. Like if you're in real estate, they're talking to multiple brokers. They're considering different options Yeah. Uh, you, when they're hiring a contractor. You, so why pretend like other contractors don't exist? Yeah. I want to know. And so I have a way of making decisions, but I don't want to presuppose that the clients have the same way of making decision. And I want to know. So I'll ask that question and almost always they'll throw them off because people never ask them this. And sometimes they they respond unfavorably, but it reveals a little bit about them and how they think, but most times they're like, huh, let me think here. Well, uh, they'll say something very abstract, like, oh, the best creative wins. Mm. And then I'll ask, okay, it's fair. In your mind, what does that mean? I want to hold them to account here. I want to take them to task or well, like how will you know what the best idea is? Is Is it the wildest, craziest idea or the one that most closely represents The creative brief that you gave us or the references how how do we know because i want to know where the bullseye is what wall does it sit on i don't need to know the specific part of that but i just need to know if i'm facing the right direction Mm -hmm. some clients will say well it's a combination of your experience and the budget i said if you had to pick one or the other which one would it be Mm -hmm. and then sometimes they'll say the budget i say okay so where does this bid need to come in at for that not to be a problem if it comes in at 375,000, we we have the authority to approve it because it's in our bylaws. 376,000, I have to get board approval. Got it. That's good to know. That it? is good to know, man. Right? So when my team is going back and working on a budget and they, they tell me it's going to be 387, I'm like, no, it's not. It's going to be, <laughs> it's going to be exactly that number. Are you kidding me? Why would you do that? Yeah. That we want to so give them the approval. And And anybody who didn't ask that question, they don't have the inside track. They're, they're bidding in the dark and I don't wanna do that. So you can get all kinds of useful information if you have high degree of self-awareness, self-confidence to ask the things that you're thinking, and the communication skills to say it in a way that doesn't come across as aggressive. And so there's a lot, a lot going on to unpack there, but tone of voice really does matter, choice of words, and, and ability to just pivot and say, I don't know, that deserves a better answer and I don't have one for you right now, let me get back to you or to address whatever's a concern for them. Now, I tell you this story, Tristan, because a lot of people who have discovered me in the last couple of years, they're like, what has this guy done? He's just another failed creative who is now trying to teach people something that he doesn't know anything, right? I said, well, in, in the course of my creative business, I've done over $80 million of revenue. I've had hundreds, literally hundreds of calls with, some of the biggest brands, bands, and agency creatives in the world. I'm not saying I know everything about sales, but I don't think I could run a company for 25 plus years and not know what I'm doing. That's true. So they just see a YouTuber. They just see a a loud person on a a reels or a story on YouTube. And what they're doing is they're looking at, I hate to say this, but really low budget projects with really low budget clients
1: yeah that's very true they're not used to working with top tier
0: not at all not even close right because the the definition of top tier it's a it's available only for a few people
1: yeah that's so so true what a great point
0: the people who have seen it know it and don't need it or won't argue with me because like that's how it works that's so
1: true they don't argue they're just like okay yeah they know they know right that's funny very funny all right question for you specifically because you brought up you brought up asking better questions yes right what are some of the questions that you 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 were just in the process of interviewing real estate agents yes without naming any names how did you end up deciding who you went with just so understand understand your psyche
0: yeah for me it was a really easy decision because we didn't interview we just worked with the person we felt most comfortable with uh it happens to be a 16 16 year old relationship I mentioned prior to us recording that I've been in this house for 16 years. The person that helped me to buy the house has maintained a relationship with me for 16 years. Damn. Okay, and his his name is Robert. And Robert, uh, when we closed on the house, even though I never met him, because it was one of his brokers that was helping us out, and he stepped in to introduce himself. And then what he said to me was, and I'll never forget this because, I when I think of customer service, I think of Robert. So Robert sent over his tailor to my office to measure me for a custom shirt. I've never done this before. Like keep in mind, like when I came to America, we were broke. We don't know like my dad's first job was clearing tables at a bar. So to have a gentleman come over to my office place to measure me, to ask me all kinds of questions, to pick Fabric swatches, styles, what kind of buttons you want. I made all the wrong decisions because I've never done this before. And my <laughs> wife looks at the finished products, <laughs> like, what are you doing, honey? You should have called me. I'm like, I don't know. I was just like, it didn't cost anything. But then Robert's checked in with me. Uh even a couple of years ago, when I'm not in the market, I'm not looking, he leaves a voicemail. He says, Chris, this is Robert. I'm wishing you and Jesse and the boys well. Like he remembers details about us. He goes, Here's the fun fact. Uh, It's been 14 years since we helped you buy that home. So I just want to wish you a happy anniversary. And if there's anything you need, please reach out to me. Okay, six, uh, no, I'm sorry, not six months, three months ago. he said, Chris, I've been following you on social media, what you've done, how you've pivoted is so impressive. I'm so impressed by you. Uh, Do you have time for lunch? I just want to take you out to eat. So we're eating at a restaurant, maintaining relationship here. I'm not even in the market to sell my house. Okay. Two months ago, I make an offer on a new house. Deal is accepted. We, we move quickly to, to put our house on the market because you know I don't want to be carrying one loan while paying for another. Mm-hmm. And it took about 0.5 seconds for us to decide who we're going to hire. I didn't consider anybody else. I didn't interview anybody else. I just said, Robert's going to be our guy. So Robert swooped in, you know, and he has a very uh, nice way of talking so that makes my wife comfortable. Mm-hmm. he's very slow he's very patient he asks lots of questions he has a very kind tone i mean he's still an agent but you know from from the spectrum of agents he's pretty it's pretty refreshing yeah my wife's like i feel comfortable with him i feel like he's going to take care of us i feel like he's going to be honest with us so there was some kind of strange thing with the bank we had to list the house really quickly because they needed to see the listing for us for them to prove the loan yeah so robert jumped into action, listed the house on a Saturday. We got an offer Sunday morning. We accepted it Sunday night. Easy. So mm-hmm. relationships, you know, and, and we, we asked ourselves this question, would we made, would we have made more money if we had a bunch of brokers bidding on it, being super aggressive, promising us things that they may or may not be able to get. Would we have made more money if we didn't accept the first offer. If we just waited and like try to get a multiple bid situation going on at the end of the day, where we're at, five, ten, fifteen, twenty-five, fifty thousand dollars is not going to change our life so dramatically that we want to put ourselves through this. What we want is peace of mind. I'm going to bookend it. See, so mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. we want peace of mind. Like oh, wow. I don't want my wife to stress out over this. Got it. It's a so, very stressful thing. So if you sell peace of mind, you can get a lot of customers.
1: So comfort. When you're like, I felt comfortable. I felt comfortable. Thinking- peace of mind
0: you're going to take care of me you're going to take care of my project you're going to take care of my brand you're going to take care of my needs and i'm never going to feel guilty for calling you up and saying you know i need some help i need you to walk me through this and i'm i i often think this now i started my my journey in 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 design in creative services right Mm -hmm. but now i feel like i believe i'm a pretty freaking good salesperson and maybe i should be selling real estate i don't know Because I can make clients feel good. Yeah. You have dude in anything you do, you just make you make people feel good. I try. So I want to listen to people. I mean, when you feel like the other person that's standing across from you has your best interests at heart, you know, trust starts to develop. Yeah. And that's not always saying yes to what they want. Sometimes And it's not just every once in a while, but sometimes it's about saying, here's the thing. I know you want that, but my experience tells me we need to do it this way. I would do it the way you want, Mm -hmm. but here are the problems, right? And you get to decide. And I've used this to close clients for like a $300,000 commercial job before. They wanted us to shoot it via live action because they didn't understand animation. And I said all these things to them. I said something like, and, and we had gone through multiple calls to them. It felt like they were 85% committed, but they could not cross the finish line. And so my team called me and they're like, Chris, we need you to close this job. Mm-hmm. It feels like we've done everything, jumped over every hurdle. Yeah. We just can't close the job. So I got on the phone with them. I say two or three things, which if anybody's in sales, they'll understand Like this stuff works, right? First thing I said is, look, shooting live action would be our preferred way to go too but based on the storyboards and what you want, we know that that would not work. And I explained to them very patiently why it wouldn't work. In fact, it would be cheaper for us to do it the way that you're suggesting. What we're doing is actually more complicated, more difficult and more expensive, but based on what you want and our experience, this is the preferred path. Like, okay, but I could feel a little bit of resistance still. Yeah. And I went for the guarantee. So I said two things to them. I said, well, if you want, we will do it The way that we suggest and if for any reason you're like that doesn't look right i will pay for it to do it the other way Mm. that's how confident i am and i said here's the thing too whether you decide to work with us or not i'm going to give you my cell phone after this if you're ever concerned about anything that we're doing you call me day or night and i will respond it booked the next hour
1: yeah makes
0: sense make people feel comfortable makes their concerns do not patronize them it's really basic things that really allow us to close a sale to connect with people
1: that's so true man and i don't think i don't think we ask enough questions to show that we care right
0: yeah because we're in a rush to get the sale We're thinking about another job. We're just like, Mm. we take for granted the person sitting in front of us has a real problem. And right now, this is the most important problem to them. Treat it with some respect.
1: Very true. Very true. Great point, man. All right. Where do people follow you? And you can't use TikTok because
0: we're doing a challenge. I'm joking.
1: <laughs> I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking.
0: <laughs> that's like when you insert all the information about your TikTok account on this. Episode. Yeah, that's so funny. <laughs> but you know what? That would be fair because we, we should start at the same block, right? That's <laughs> oh, so funny. No, go ahead. Yes. I'm on all social media. I'm at the Chris Doe. Doe is spelled D-O, the Chris Doe. And my company is called The Future. So you go to future.com. In the future, spelled F-U-T-U-R. There's no E. Somebody asked me, hey, where'd the ego?" I said, we dropped it. We dropped it. We dropped the ego, man. That's where it went.
1: That's so good. Oh, chris, thanks for doing this, man. I took a <laughs> ton, of, ton of notes, and I had a great time talking to you.
0: Thank you. It was my pleasure, chris Those are all the brilliant thoughts that we have for you today. If you like what you're hearing, drop us a review or just tell your friends. This has been a success podcast. Head to success.com slash podcast to hear more just like it.